From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. All right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody this morning? Good. I believe in my heart that there's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than here at Parkway in the presence of God. Amen? So, um, if you guys uh, who have your Bibles with you could turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 26. So, we've talked about, uh, we've been in our Christmas at Parkway. Um, I'm very excited. Christmas is rapidly approaching. Sometimes, though, Christmas can feel like a deadline, sometimes not a celebration. I kind of had that awakening this morning uh, when I was like, okay, um, I'm trying to think of what I'm doing next week. And then I'm like, whoa, Christmas, whoa, it's real close. Um, but I'm really excited. Um, Christmas is like my favorite time of the year. So for those of you who have been joining us uh, over the last month, uh, today is part four in our Christmas at Parkway series. Uh, We have discussed things, we have discussed distractions, we have discussed bitterness, and today some of you might not like me after today, um, but that's okay. That means you probably need to hear it. I wrote this message for myself today. Um, Today we are talking about letting go of control. Okay, letting go of control. Are there any of you in this room that just have to control things? Okay, what if I what if I asked your spouse or one of your family members, how many hands would go up? Probably a lot more. There are some people that just always have to have control of things. Um, If you guys know anything about the Enneagram, like the the personality types, um, if you're an Enneagram eight, we love you. Uh, you're awesome, God loves you, but you are crazy because they need to, those type of people just need to control everything, okay? I'm just joking, we love you. Um, but we are taught by the world, by society, that we need to control our lives, that we are in control of our destiny, right? How many of us have heard that? It's the plot of movies, it's the plot of, of a lot of uh, music out there, uh, literature. It's you take control of your life so you can control your destiny, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. That, that's what's ingrained in us um, through, through what we consume and what uh, the, ideolog- the ideology sorry, of the world tends to be. But some situations we can't control. I would actually say this. There's people in this room that are in a bad situation because you took control. Some people in this room are in situations. I've been in situations because I tried to take control and I thought I knew what I was doing. Right? How many can attest to that? (laughs) Oh, man. We're going to look at a story this morning of somebody who had a plan in place. They had a good reign of their life. They had, they had control of where things were going, and God came and interrupted them, okay? Before we do that, we're going to pray. So, Father, we just thank you that we can gather this morning in your house. God, I thank you for every person that's here this morning represented. I just declare, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, anoint me as I speak today. I pray that nothing but your word and your wisdom would come out today. And I pray that you would prepare and that you would anoint our hearts to receive your word today, Father. We thank you, we love you, and we gather here today because of you. So have your way. And everybody said? Amen. So let's look. We're going to read from Luke chapter 1. Uh, Again, we're going to start at verse 26, and we're going to go to 38. 
In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. This part is, is very important here. This is Mary's reply. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So obviously, for those of you familiar with the story, obviously this is uh, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. This is how uh, God used the angel Gabriel to uh, let Mary know the incredible thing that was going to happen. Um, Mary was obviously, as, as we just read, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And the reference to her... Um, to her relative Elizabeth is that she had, I believe it was a cousin who lived in a couple towns over. Elizabeth was really, really old, okay? Elizabeth was really old, past the age of being able to have a kid, but God, I believe that God uh, can use things to, uh, as blessings and he can use things in his purpose beyond what we can understand because to Elizabeth, a miracle was happening. She was gonna be with child past the age that she was supposed to be able to have a child. But God uses it as an encouragement to Mary, who isn't even connected in the situation. I love how God can work sometimes in the background and work in ways that we don't even understand. But listen, Mary was around 13 to 15 years old. We often, uh, I, I think we sometimes forget how young uh, people were married in that culture. Mary was not even an old teenager. She was a young teenager. She would have been grade 8 to grade 10-ish if she was uh, in, in a public school system like we're in. So just think of how young that is for a second. Marrying Joseph would have meant stability. It would have meant Mary could have started a family. It means Mary would have had uh, security and protection. Marrying Joseph um, was part of her plan, her perfect plan, Right? She had her plan. She was going to get married, uh, buy a house. She was going to have an awesome wedding, pick out her favorite dress from David's bridal. She was going to have a nice, uh, a good bridal, uh, bridal shower, right? She had this whole plan. But Jesus came in to the picture, and God said, hey, I got something else for you. That had nothing to do. It totally threw a wrench in Mary's plan. How many of you guys have had to plan a wedding before? Show of hands, who has had to plan a wedding before? Um, my wedding last year um, didn't go according to plan, okay? Uh, my wife, Allie, and I 
Uh, we had a plan to go get married out at a place in Sombra. Most of you know Bogies Inn. It's on the water. It's a beautiful place. Um, we had all the chairs set up outside. We rented the chairs in the right color, and we spent hours setting up at that venue, and we had um, the reception hall all planned, and then Ed, we were supposed to get married outside on the water, and the sun was actually going to hit her hair right as we say I do, and we were going to have the photographer waiting for it, the sun, perfect, bam, it was going to be a perfect. And then we woke up the next day, and it was raining so hard that it woke me up. I could hear the rain. I looked outside, and you know when the sewers are actually draining slow, and there's like water collecting over the sewers, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, the weather all week said fantastic weather for Saturday. It's looking good. And then on Friday afternoon, we checked and it decided to do a 180. I blame the weather network for that. If the weather network said sunny, it would have been sunny. It's all their fault. So uh, me and my groomsmen, uh, Josh and Ryan are in the room right now. We were supposed to go to the Cromwell Grill and have a nice breakfast and take it easy and relax because this was like the biggest day of my life. And I called them, and I'm like, hey, guys, we're setting up another wedding this morning. Sorry. We're not going for breakfast. So uh, we moved the wedding here into this room. And as we're setting up the wooden arbor that we spent a lot of money on, we noticed that the wood was extremely warped, and the whole thing stood like this. And I'm like, wow, what is happening today? I was like, God, I thought you told me to marry this woman. Are you, like, trying to, <laughs> what's happening right now? Um, and our, our Josh came in clutch. He's like, I actually have one you can use, blah, blah, blah. So we got it going. But my point is, is our wedding did not go according to plan. Mary's plan was not going the way she wanted it to. Things were about to go very different. I highly doubt, listen to me, I highly doubt going to Joseph and saying, hey, Joseph, um... I'm pregnant, but it was God. I promise it, it, it was God. I swear. I don't think that was high up on our priority list, having to have that conversation. Okay? We all know. Okay, so if I was Joseph, I'm just saying, husbands, if your wife came to you and said that before your wedding, I'd, I'd probably call Jerry Springer or something. I'd be like, no, this, no, we need a lie detector test right now. I, there's no way. I don't think having that conversation was high up on, it, I don't think that was a part of her plan. Things were going very different. <clears throat> now listen, it's also easy to dehumanize Mary, right? Well, she's the Virgin Mary that the Catholics paint everywhere. And, you know, we, it, that's the Virgin Mary. Of course she said yes to God. But what we forget is she wasn't the legendary Virgin Mary when the angel came and spoke to her. She was... 14-year-old teenage girl living her normal life who never would have expected to be the one chosen to give birth to the Son of God. She, she wasn't who she was until she said yes and went through with it. Mary didn't see the end result. All she gets, like, it's easy for us because we know the story we can look, having seen the whole thing, and be like, well, yeah, Mary, of course you said yes, because you'd give birth to Jesus, and then he'd die for our sins. Easy. Why wouldn't you do that? But Mary didn't see the end. She, she saw where she was. She couldn't see the next step, but what did she have to do, church? She just had to trust in God and let go of control. Mary couldn't control the next step. Mary probably didn't even understand how she would conceive as a virgin. She probably didn't even understand the science behind it. She was like, okay. 
If this is what you say, okay, I'll do it, whatever you need me to do. Mary let go of control. So we in this room, we have hopes, dreams, aspirations, right? We have goals, but sometimes these things get interrupted by God. And if you are a controlling type, if you are a person that your safety is dependent on your amount of control, that will be very difficult for you because that's how God operates. That's how God operates. Our ability to obey and adapt to God's plan is our measure of faith, I believe. I believe your ability to let go of control and give God control directly corresponds with the amount of faith you have. Does that make sense? person who has faith in God isn't willing to give up control. Somebody who theoretically, let's say, you can fully 100% trust in God, then you will do everything he asks you to do, right? It's pretty simple. We have our dream homes, right? We have our dream cars, right? The schools for our kids to attend once they graduate high school. We have our favorite vacation places we want to go to someday. We have our five-year plan, our five-year financial plan, our retirement plan, right? We have plans. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with the plan. I actually, I actually have a problem with people who say, ah, whatever, God will work it out. I think that that's lazy. What if I didn't prepare a message today and I just showed up and I was like, ah, God will speak something to me, right? That's also not how God operates. There's nothing wrong with the plan because we are called to steward what God gave us. God asks us to be generous with what he's given us. We have to have a plan, but we have to be willing to yield it. All those things we have plans for doesn't mean it's God's plan. So, who's thankful that God has a plan for us and he's not leaving it up to us? If I made the decisions for the world, right, it's easy for me to complain about uh, our government and the United States government and everything. I don't want the job. I don't want to be in control, right? If I was in control of Canada, we'd be in a black hole somewhere in space right now. So thank God that he has a, that he has a plan for my life or else I'd be in big trouble. So Mary had a choice. Mary had a choice. She could stick to her plan and marry Joseph, the safe, the familiar, the comfortable option. Or Mary could say yes and just wait to see what happens next. She would have to bite the bullet and go have to have that conversation with Joseph, hoping that he believes her, hoping that God reveals to him as well uh, the truth of what's happening. Mary would have to be okay with being the town target, or sorry, the target of town gossip. Mary would be the target of nasty comments. Other mothers would probably say to their daughters, yeah, don't be like that Mary woman. She, yeah, don't, don't do what she does. That's terrible. Um, back, back in their time, th- these women could actually be shamed by their husband, or by their, sorry, their husbands-to-be. They could be exiled out of their towns. Mary was willing to risk all of this to follow God's plan. Yeah, hallelujah. Faith in the need for control cannot coexist. Mary didn't say, I'll do it, but it has to be on my terms. Or God, I will follow you as long as you don't do this. 
We see Mary's last thing she says there. I am the Lord's servant. May it, sorry, may it to me as you have said. May it be as you have said. Mary completely surrendered and said, I trust in this God. I believe that God, people ask me, why did God choose Mary? I don't know. But, but I think God knows enough because Mary said yes. I, I don't think he picked anybody special. I don't think he picked anybody more or less spiritual than other people. I don't think, you know, God wasn't like, Mary has the perfect physique to deliver the son of God. That's a higher percentage chance of her having a successful birth. I just think God picked somebody who was willing to and that he knew would say yes and that he knew was faithful. Because Mary... Mary's surprised almost. She's like, why, like, why would you pick me? This 14-year-old girl is like, why would you pick me to do this? But God, she was highly favored. Listen, guys, we don't always have the power to control, but we do have the power to surrender. I'll say that again. We don't always have the power to control our situations, but we always have the power to surrender the one who does have control. Faith requires us to let go of control even when we are in unfamiliar territory and give God complete control. I actually believe we can't surrender to God unless it's unfamiliar ground in front of us. Faith isn't faith if you see the next step. If you know what the plan was, if God revealed the entire plan to Mary and said, um, you're going to give birth to a guy named Jesus and... Um, I'm going to make sure that Joseph is okay with everything, and then, you know, you guys are going to grow up. Jesus is going to be a carpenter and make cool guitars, and then he's going to grow up, and he's going to do this. I, it wouldn't have been faith for Mary. But faith is only faith when the next step is unclear. So, there's an old song we used to sing. I, I'm tired of hearing it because I've heard it probably, I'm not even exaggerating, 50 billion times. It's a song, you know it, it's by Hillsong, it's called Oceans, and the bridge we used to sing 500 times in a row, and it says, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders, let me walk upon the waters wherever you've called me. What that is doing is it's actually a really scary prayer, we're basically saying, God, bring me out here into the dark where I can't see the next step. I don't know what's around me, I don't know what's ahead of me, but I, I, all I can do now at this point is trust you. Lead me to a place where I have no control. Aren't we glad God has a plan for our lives? Oh. If we know the end result, it's not faith. We can either do things ourselves or trust in a God who can see the end result. We see time as we walk through it. God sees time in a big straight line. He can see, this is where they say yes to me, that's the next step, and here's the end result. And he'll lead you as you go. He'll walk beside you and guide you through it. But it doesn't happen unless you give up control. Again, we cannot simultaneously be in control and act in faith. We cannot both be in control or have the need for control and act in faith. And this is scary um, I'm just going to be uh, transparent with everybody today. 
Uh, something happened with me, uh, with Allie and I yesterday that was a little bit of a financial shock, something we weren't expecting, something we weren't prepared for. And um, I, started to, I, I started to freak out a little bit. I said, how are we going to do this? Like, how, like, seriously, now. After all this time, I feel like we're just starting to get our feet off the ground. We're saving money. We're investing money. Things are good. And now this. You've got to be kidding me. And after I threw my little, I don't know if like tantrum, whatever it was, I threw my little tantrum and I actually stopped and my wife will tell you this. I literally stopped in the kitchen and said, you know what? I'm preaching tomorrow and letting go of control. How can I stand in front of people at church tomorrow, tell them to give up control if I'm freaking out in my kitchen because I don't see the next step? And I said, we gotta just trust in Jesus. If I got, if I'm gonna preach it tomorrow, I have to walk it too. So this is just as much for me, and this message scares me just as much as it might to you. This is just as much for me as it is to you. I wonder if God is doing that. If he did that last night, I, I, said, I said to my wife, you know what, maybe he's got a whole plan for this. Maybe, um, uh, maybe somehow I'll just like walk across a suitcase with thousands of dollars in it or something, I don't know, with maybe a million, we'll see. But God is just using this whole situation to grow, to grow me as I preach this today. Because in that moment, everything I'm preaching you became alive to me, and it became real to me, and it moved from my head to here, because I feel it, that I'm, what I'm speaking to you today, because I just had to do it yesterday. It's also impossible to be partially surrendered to God. You're either not surrendered to God, or you are surrendered to God. Some of us might say things like this. God, you can have it all except my weekdays. Jesus, I surrender to you. You can have it all, but do not touch my money. That's mine. I worked for it. I've earned it. God, I, I trust you, except we're going to stick with my plan for my kids and their future and the way I parent them. That's going to be up to me. God, you can have everything except I'm going to keep my financial plan. I'll be generous with my money, but my plan is my plan, and that's what I'm doing. God, I love you. Thank you for your grace. I will show grace to people except that one person that I have a grudge against because they're the worst. Right? God, you can have everything except my job. This is the job I earned, I went to school for, I worked for. Right? We might say things like that. We might not even say things like that, but we might live things like that. I've done it. Absolutely, I've done it. We are either giving God control or we're not. Listen to this. Partial surrender, I believe that partial surrender to God only yields partial blessing. The measure of which you surrender to God is the measure of which you will reap blessing from God. Areas that you are willing to give to God, he will bless. That is his rule. That's his law of physics. When you surrender to God, he will bless you. What you withhold from God might not have blessing on it. Having less with God's blessing on it is going to go a lot further than having more without it. Areas that you surrender to God are going to be blessed and those that aren't might not. Partial surrender yields partial blessing. Let's go back to the Old Testament. So we're talking a lot of years before um, this story with Mary happened. Back to a guy named Abraham, right? We know Abraham. 
he went up on a hill and he was, God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he was like, that's weird, but okay. So he goes up on a mountain, he builds an altar and he's gonna sacrifice his son, his only son. And then God intervenes and says, don't do it. That was a test and you, you passed. The Bible says that Abraham... Uh, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. It's actually um, a foreshadowing of what would happen in the New Testament. But Abraham, okay, for those of you who have read the Old Testament, the Bible says that we are all descendants of Abraham. So Abraham's offspring, his descendants would be greater than the stars, that he wouldn't be able to count them because he surrendered his one son to God. He was willing to do it. If Abraham didn't, if he withheld that, he wouldn't have had that incredible blessing. He wouldn't have the legacy. The, the man that we use as our example of faith, that wouldn't be Abraham if he wasn't willing to make that one sacrifice to God. The same area that he sacrificed to God, God blessed him back. Does this make sense? It's very simple math. Mary reaped the privilege of raising the Son of God. Because she said yes. Think about that for a second. I don't care how good you think your child is, how smart your child is, how handsome or how beautiful your child is, okay? They are not Jesus. They are not the son of God who would save the entire humanity. Mary got the privilege of raising Jesus because 14-year-old her said, sure, I trust in God. That's, that's incredible, Back in verse 38, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Here's what's incredible. That same word, when you look back into the Greek, the same word that Mary used in that sentence is the same one Jesus said when he was, when he was uh, praying to the Father at his crucifixion and said, not my will, but yours be done. It's the same word they used. A full surrender saying, this doesn't look so hot for me, but I know you've got a plan, God, and I've just got to trust you. So, are you fully surrendered to God? Um, I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. If you guys can uh, just start playing gently, uh, make me sound like a better preacher than I am, that would be great. Listen, church, are you fully surrendered today? I can tell you 100% honestly that I'm not, that I am not. It's something I'm working on every day. Um, as, as Bob would say, I had a two by four hit me last night. Sometimes we need those. Sometimes we need those moments where it's like God is like, puts us in a situation where it's like, you have to trust me. You don't have a choice. But every day I have to learn that. Even if it's small scale, even if it's little micro lessons, like just trust God in this. So church, are you fully surrendered? What area of your life have you surrendered to God and what area are you withholding? Many of you might remember, uh, and this came to my mind, this is years ago. We're going back Parkway years ago. How many of you remember the All In series when we brought poker chips to church? Remember how bad that was? You never brought poker chips to church. And we held on to them and, and they represented the thing that we were holding back from God and not giving it up. Remember that? but we need to go all in church. So what's, what's, I'm gonna use that again. What's your poker chip today? What's the one thing you are withholding from going all in today?
And that, that might change. You could be all in today and a year from now, there might be something else you're withholding. It's something we have to learn all of the time. But what's that one thing right now that you're not surrendering? What favor are you missing out on because you're not saying yes to Jesus? What privilege? I don't even want to say responsibility. I'm going to say what privilege are you missing out of God's favor and blessing because you are holding on to your plan instead. I mean, like, I'm not giving this up. I know what I'm doing. Is your inability to surrender holding you back from your walk with Jesus? I believe that there might be people in this room that you want to take that next step in your faith or you feel like, I've been praying a lot and reading my word a lot and I just feel like I've hit a wall in my faith. There's some of you that the solution is surrendering that area that right now as I'm talking, it's popping in your head and you're like, oh, I really don't want to give that up. If there's something that keeps repeating in your head and you're like, I don't, that, I don't like that, that's probably what it is. And I believe surrendering that is going to take you to your next step with Jesus. Just as the foundation uh, of a relationship in a marriage or a, um, a relationship with a family member or friendship is fully based on trust, our relationship with God is even more so based on trust. How can we, how can we walk in favor with a God that we don't, we don't trust? How can we expect a God to bless us and give us all the good stuff if we're not willing to give him what he asks in exchange? Here's what we're gonna do today, church. In the, in the baskets in the seat in front of you, most of you notice there's pens in your row. In, this, in the um, baskets in the seat in front of you where those welcome cards are, we've got a little slip of paper today. And what it says on it is, today I will give up control of blank. Now this is gonna be a little bit different. This is very, um, this is very uh, youth rally-esque of me, okay? But I believe it's, I believe it's important. Um, sometimes I think it's good that we have a visual representation of things. I find for myself, when I write something down physically and I can physically see it in front of me, it almost becomes more real in my heart. Seeing it there, I'm like, wow, this is real. In the same way, you know, sometimes we don't like to talk about things because then they become real and we're like, whoa, I just said that out loud. This is actually happening, right? We're gonna write down Today, I will give up control of blank and no one's gonna read it. You know, um, we're gonna bring them up here and we're actually gonna lay them here at the altar space. Again, very, very uh, youth pastor thing to do. I know, I know. But listen to me. Simply, I believe simply that act of writing it down, the courage to bring it up is the first step into surrendering to God. And I'm just telling you, I'm gonna be the first one to do it. As soon as I put this mic down, I'm gonna write mine down and I'm gonna put it here, but I'm not gonna read them, right? I'm not gonna be like, ooh, oh, Emily won't give this up to God, everybody. <laughs> not gonna do that. Nobody's gonna read them. You're not gonna put your name on them. This is simply between you and God. And this is a, um, I don't think there's any power in the paper. There's no magic power in the pen. It's symbolic. And it's an act of courage to surrender to God, okay? So as the worship band plays behind me, um, you are free to worship. You're free to stand, worship. Um, we, we can definitely maintain a posture of worship. That's what this time is for. If you, if you can't write it right down right away, if you're battling with it, do what you need to do. But if you
you have courage today and you have faith and you want to surrender to God, let's do this today. I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to do it. And then we'll move on, okay? So Lord God, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have a plan for us that's better than what we could ever imagine. Father, I just pray that if there's people in this room that are struggling to give up control, I pray that you would reveal to them, Jesus, your power and your plan. I pray that, God, if it's your will that we don't see the next step right away, I pray that you would give us peace, give us joy this morning. God, and give us courage as we give up, as we give up uh, things that we are holding back today. I pray that throughout the week that this wouldn't be a thing where we come lay our paper at the ground and forget about it tomorrow morning, but that you would remind us of this moment that we would be reminded to consistently give up surrender. God, when we have the urge to take the reins back, to grab the steering wheel with both hands and white knuckle, that you would remind us and say, God, or that you would say, my child, I've got a plan for you. We may not like his plan. God, we may not like your plan, but it's good. So we thank you, God, and we lift you up, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.